Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable. Happy Pride Month, friends, or happy gay month because you know you gay and stuff. Please tell me you've seen this video. It's everywhere right now. There's this guy, I guess he's coming out, say like a Walmart or a CVS or a Dwayne Reed. Probably not a Dwayne Reed based on the accent. He got what he calls a gay balloon and some Skittles because there's a rainbow and then a cake. This celebrates Pride Month. He's giving it to either his friend or family member who's sitting what looks like in the backseat of the car. (laughs) It's a 30 second video and it's packed with quotables. People were saying it's an old video, but it never gets old. I've watched the thing at least 30 times. I just said I posted it in my stories, but it was a few days ago, so it's gone now. Maybe if I actually put up a post announcing there's a new episode, I can throw the clip in there. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can see it. He's like, happy gay month, because you know you gay and stuff. (laughs) What? It's so ridiculous. But a genuine and sincere and heartfelt happy pride to all of the listeners. You know, like, I want to say, like, was it two years ago now? I changed the intro of the podcast to be more welcoming. A couple of people it brought to my attention and they were like, sis, I know you don't mean it, but the intro is a little exclusionary. So maybe, you know, find a way to include. I did it for Pride Month and it's still there and we'll stay there. We have listeners from all over the world that identify in a lot of different ways. And I want all of them to feel like this is a, a safe space. <laughs> I'm clearly in a much better mood this week. Not even a better mood. I just got some damn rest. I got back from Paris on late Tuesday night. I didn't leave the house on Wednesday other than to go to the grocery store. And then Thursday I had some friends in town and then that's how I ended up at the dinner and then smoking hookah somewhere out in Brixton. That was a really funny night. We were sitting in the hookah lounge and I'm talking to one of the new friends. She's describing something and then she goes, oh my God, mom, you're a mom. And I was like, I'm sorry, excuse me. And she was like, mom, mom, mom. She was like, I read mom. I read mom. You're the mom girl. And I was like, that's, that's hilarious. I'm, I'm the mom girl. <laughs> I used to be that girl on that show. And before that, I was like the girl from Essence. <laughs> and now I'm the mom girl. 
But I say all that to say, like, I went out Thursday, and then I didn't leave the house Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. I didn't go to the Beyonce concert. Remember last episode, I was like, I'm going to end up going to this concert. I'm really going to end up going to this concert. I decided not to go. I was exhausted. I moved to London from South Africa, and I hit the ground running the first week to get reacquainted with London and then get the things that I needed for the apartment. And then my mother came a week later, and then I ran all over the city with my mom. My mother left on Sunday. I left for Paris the next day, extended my stay in Paris. So I've been running nonstop for like three and a half weeks, which sounds like really exciting, which makes for really great pictures and stories and adventures. But like my ass was tired. I really did nothing except leave the house in search of food and grocery store food. I didn't even go to like a market or a restaurant. Like I was like, I'm not putting on real clothes. I I left the house for the first time yesterday. Ended up walking five miles all over the city, shopping, running errands. But I feel much better. And then I'm about to bounce again soon for my next destination. I think I figured out my Europe plans through July. I booked my birthday trip. I'm trying to get Budapest and Vienna in there. Budapest is like the spa capital of the world. And I never thought twice about going to Budapest until I watched some Will Smith movie. And he was at one of the spas in Budapest. And I was like, that looks like some epic shit. Also in a post-COVID world, sitting up in a spa with a bunch of strangers just sounds bizarre. Like COVID soup or some shit. But still, I might only be in there for five minutes. But Budapest has like a ton of spas. In addition to the public spas and bathhouses, they have natural spas with like the hot springs. And Vienna, Vienna has some of the most beautiful architecture that I've ever seen. I think I'll be taking the big lens camera and just walking around in all black in the height of summer in Europe where they usually don't have air conditioning. That's a whole separate conversation. I think I'm just going to walk around for four days and just take epic pictures. I haven't really walked around with my good camera in a while. Also, somebody asked me the other day, obviously doesn't listen to the podcast, which is fine. And they were like, where do you live? Where is your home? And I was like, what do you mean? And they were like, do you live in Paris? And I was like, no, I live in London. Like, I moved to London like three weeks ago. And they were like, you've never posted one picture from London. And I was like, oh, shit, I guess you're right. Because I wasn't on social media when I moved to London. So I like never post pictures. I was like, maybe I should do something about that. I take a ton of pictures, not with a good camera, but you know, my iPhone is sufficient. Everyone their mom... I don't mean just like my friends, but like celebrities and shit are like all in London right now. Beyonce, Kelly Rowland, and Burner Boy all performed in the same weekend. So like people were like, I'm out. <laughs> I saw the clips from Kelly's performance. Kelly is the same age as Beyonce, maybe a year apart. Kelly was down on the floor rolling around. I was like, Kelly, she looks fucking amazing. Amazing. She's a huge artist outside of the U.S. I mean, she's big in the U.S., but, like, Kelly is, like, huge in Europe. Huge. I don't know why folks didn't take to Kelly in the States. It's not like Europe doesn't have its own colorism and racism issues. You can't blame it on her brown. I don't know. Sometimes I think Europe appreciates black celebrities better. Sometimes I think. I mean, see Paris. They have a history of appreciating black shit. Let me correct that. They have a history of appreciating African-Americans. I was at that conference I told you about last week. They were talking about the black experience in Paris and someone made the, you know, very astute observation that, you know, let's not pretend that Paris doesn't have a a racism problem. Paris likes African-Americans, but Paris don't necessarily like black people. And they were like, see Haiti as example. And I was like, well, well, also see Senegal, see Cote d'Ivoire. I mean, they're very beautiful places. 
they have a lot of dope shit and they have good infrastructure in comparison to some other African specifically countries that I've been to even better than Ghana, I would say, but Senegal doesn't look like France. It doesn't have the wealth of France, partially because it was colonized. There's some other corruption issues, but you know, again, France likes African Americans to a degree. Like, but do they like their African immigrants? It's another story for another time. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I've been having FOMO about not being in America more often than I usually do. Usually I don't. There's a couple things lately. I'm like, oh, I should be at home. And my friends are like, there's nothing for you here. Stay gone. Reconsider. And I was like, no, but the Roots picnic. And they were like, yes, but the woman in Florida. I was reading a news story earlier today about a black mom with a white neighbor. The details of the story are still coming out. But it seems that the white neighbor chastised some neighborhood children, one of them being the mom's nine-year-old, and she took the kid's iPad. So the mother showed up at the woman's house on her porch to get her child's iPad back. Like, you took my shit. And the woman shot her through the door, killed her in front of her nine-year-old son. Um, The police took the woman into custody and then released her, which I was like, how? How is this? legal. I think it's probably that stand your ground doctrine. Like the woman was on her property and she didn't want her there. Like surely she knew she took the kid's iPad. The woman's going to show up for it. So when I hear things like that, I'm like, no, I'm good. But then when I see like footage, I'm like, damn, I should have flew home this weekend. Lauren Hill performed at the Roots picnic and I heard she came out on time and I was like, wait, is Lauren backpack? And then I saw videos and I was like, she looks good. She sounds good. The music sounds good. Ah. And then I saw a clip of like Jasmine Sullivan backing it up on Usher. And I was like, I, I might try it too. He was so respectful with the backup though. Like, cause she was swinging that thing and he did like a little dip, but it never connected. It never connected. Usher was like, you will not me to me. Absolutely not. They got close. It did not look like contact. I was like, where are the videos of Usher's performance? I love Jasmine. I love the little grind. It was cute. But I was like, can I see, can I see video? I know somebody got video. If somebody knows where there's video of the Usher performance at the Roots Picnic, please let me know. You know how I feel about Usher. You know, my good, good friend hit me and she told me that she didn't know about Usher performing in Paris until my podcast. She didn't know there were new dates, but she didn't know there was original dates. And I was like, really? Usher has this website that you could go sign up for and they send you alerts for like everything Usher. Like Usher texts me like once a week and tells me where he's performing and what he's doing. That's how I know everything about Usher. Those four first shows sold out really quick. And then there's like four more shows and they talk about, you know, this is the last set of shows, like eight nights only. But I was like, they also said four nights only and they're selling out fast. Usher going to fuck around and be in Paris like it's a residency too. Go ahead and sign up for your Usher update. Let Usher text you and tell you about where he is. Seriously, like, fuck around. It might be cheaper to come overseas and see Usher than it is to see him in the States. Because them Usher tickets in Vegas are expensive. I saw clips from Summer Jam. I did not have FOMO. I'm just not the, and never have been, the audience for that event. 
other than that, I mean, not for the kind of fair we cover, the news this week really hasn't been that interesting. Tina Turner's husband is getting half. I can't remember if it was he's getting $250 million or he's getting half of her $250 million estate. Let me look that up because that's like a distinction. Like, are you getting $125 million or are you getting $250 million? Either way, I think half is good for him. They've been together forever. And then when she was sick, he gave her his kidney. I was like, you, you literally risked your life for mine. You could take half after my demise. I think it said the other part of her money was going to, did it say her stepchildren, her adopted children? It was a weird phrasing, but I think it referred to Ike's kids. I'm not mad at that. As long as it ain't going to Ike, he did, so he not going to get it. But it ain't the kid's fault they daddy wasn't shit. And by her account, like she raised his children, the ones before her and the ones he created while they were married, as if they were her own. If she was mom to the kids, she'd been around all their life. And again, their daddy wasn't shit. I'm not mad at that. Tina Turner, husband, gets half. Tina Turner's husband, this is according to New Zealand News, Tina Turner's husband will inherit nearly half of her $250 million fortune. Music Times says the same thing. Good for him. I mean, sad for him because, you know, his wife just passed away. But good for him on, on getting half of the estate. I feel like he earned it. He gave a kidney. I'm not even like making that up. Like he literally gave her a kidney when she was ill. She was dying and like on dialysis. And he was like, enough. Take my kidney. He deserves half. Jamel Hill is leaving Spotify. People tried to make that into a juicy scandal. It wasn't. People were like, oh, if she's leaving because she demanded Joe Rogan numbers. They said uh, she, she asked Spotify for $100 million because that's what Joe Rogan was getting paid. Actually, Joe Rogan gets $200 million, just FYI. Everybody thought it was 100 When Joe Rogan was fucking up, when he was like using the N-word everywhere, Everyone was like, oh my God, he's getting paid a hundred million. That's crazy. That's wild. And then it was like, actually, he's getting two hundred million USD. I think he was the most popular person on Spotify at the time. But the story was originally published. I'm referring to the Jamel Hill story by Bloomberg News. And Bloomberg News covered it like, a, I would say, like a respectable journalism publication. They said her podcast, Jamel Hill is Unbothered is in search for a new home. They also noted Hill joins exodus of black podcasters leaving the platform. They point to a larger issue going on at Spotify. This isn't like a specifically Jamel Hill type thing. They noted that Hill's contract was up. She and Spotify at one point were negotiating in good faith. That's not working. And so now they're negotiating their terms of separation. It's worthy to note that Jamel Hill has her own podcast she also has a podcast network. So there's a bunch of folks like under the Jamel Hill podcast umbrella. And it seems that they will be exiting Spotify as well. People took this opportunity as just a way to lay into Jamel Hill. And they were like, the woman's gone crazy asking for Joe Rogan money. Like she's trying to get this hundred mil. The hundred mil mention actually comes from an interview that she did forever and a day ago. And she was like, I would like to see Spotify pay black creatives the same amount of money that they're paying Joe Rogan, which at the time was believed to be a hundred mil. She didn't say make that investment in me. I'm sure she wouldn't mind the hundred mil, but the idea that she was asking for a hundred mil is not accurate. People's accusations about why she was leaving Spotify ran so rampant that TMZ actually jumped in and covered the story. 
And TMZ loves to be salacious when they can. TMZ even was like, yeah, not a lot of tea here. Just seems like the contract was up. They couldn't reach an agreement on how to proceed. So she's moving her podcast and her podcast network to another situation. There are 50 million non-scandalous reasons that people may want to move their product from one distributor to another. But even the TMZ version is pretty like, you know, not fresh tea, not hot. Third pour, weak tea. And Jamel Hill also addressed it on Twitter. (laughs) She says, people, a lot of what's been reported just isn't true. My podcast hasn't been canceled. I never asked Spotify for a hundred million. This shit is truly comical. She also took the opportunity, since everyone's speaking her name and speaking about her podcast, to do a little promo. She said, next week's guest is Sabrina Elba. In the coming weeks, Blair Underwood, Casey Lemons, J.R. Smith, Kenny Ladmore, and more. She said that her deal at Spotify is pretty fair. She also has nothing more to say. She said, quote, when I have something to say, I'll say it. Translation, when I sign the contract with the new place, because we can't have all this beef back and forth when I'm out here seeking a new deal, I'll announce when I found a new home, when the contracts are signed and the checks have been cut. Then I'll have an announcement. But until such time, I'm focused on where I'm going to get my paper from. People wanted there to be so much scandal and there just, there wasn't. Nobody was fired. Nobody was canceled. We almost had that issue with Ratchet and Respectable. The contract was up. Negotiations went on forever. I mean, it's part of the process. I asked for the world and everything in it. You tell me why you're not going to give me the world and everything in it. We go back and forth for weeks until we find a number that we can agree on. And that's that. I told you I was watching Citadel on Amazon Prime. It lost my interest. That's the one with Priyanka Chopra. They had the really good pilot and they were like shooting up and killing everything. And I was like, yes. I was like really invested for the first three episodes. And I was like, yes, where's this going? And then it just started going like so many convoluted ways. And I was like, "Mm, I'm good. I watched it through to the end. And by the end, I mean the sixth episode because it was a six episode season. And I was like, yeah. Unless you're telling me up front that this is like a limited series. So I know I'm like, oh, okay, six episodes. But I'm thinking at least eight episodes, like a a almost full season. Because I feel like 10 episodes is a full season. But don't give me less than eight. And I was like, this is a mini series. I'm not getting invested in this. It just wasn't that good. It just didn't hold me. I watched the Donna Summer documentary on HBO Max or Max as it's now called. I realized like I thought I knew Donna Summer. And then I realized like I really only know like two songs. Obviously, like the Love to Love You Baby song, um, the super sexy song, was completely unsurprised to hear that like Donna Summer had a gospel background and did this record as like a breakout to like really make a name. And then she got pigeonholed because of it. And I was like, yeah, sounds about black. Sounds about black. But the documentary delved as much into her professional life as it did her home life. She had a kid right when her career was about to take off. So she sent the child to live with her parents. Her daughter seems to be the one behind the documentary. Um, And it's very candid about the good and bad about her mother. It really paints a picture of her as a full human being. I didn't love or hate Donna Summer anymore at the end of the documentary. I just felt like I knew her better. It's a really good documentary. I actually had it on kind of as background noise. And then like, you know, some of the things I was overhearing, I was like, wait, what? And I had to like go and stop and sit down and actually watch it. And I was like, oh, this is really good. She's such a beautiful woman. There's been so much chat over uh, there needs to be a Donna Summer movie, which after watching it, I was like, there does need to be a Donna Summer movie. And I think it's maybe a TV movie and not like a big film movie. 
I don't know if there's enough story for like a film. When I think film, I'm thinking like Elvis or like Ray Charles or I don't know if it's big enough for film. And I hate saying that like a black woman. You know what? That's not true. I'm going to take that back. They make big budget films about the most mediocre of white folks. Everyday average white folks who like nobody knew their name until you made this film. Like we actually do know Donna Summer's name. Fuck it. She should get a big budget film and Kelly Rowland because that's where I was going with the story. Kelly Rowland should play Donna Summer. It just makes sense. They look exactly alike. You really I do no special makeup. Tell Kelly to show up and put a nice wig on her. And then you have Donna Summer. And she could sing. She performed so good at this festival. I hope y'all saw the clips. I'm actually going to promote the podcast this week and I'll put the clip in the promo. So if you haven't seen it, you can see it. Kelly did so good. Mama Tina posted it on her page. So if you don't follow Mama Tina, you should. She be having all the exclusive, all the background clips. Mama Tina is at every concert. She said she was supposed to go to Kelly's, but something happened. She wasn't feeling well or whatever, but she made sure Kelly got that shout out. That's her other boo. Where's Solange? I'm not accusing Solange of anything. I'm not saying she's gone somewhere bad or she's doing something bad. I'm just genuinely asking, where's Solange? We don't really see her no more. And Mama Tina doesn't post her like that. And I mean, and she loves both her girls. There's no question about that. But I feel like Solange is just like, don't post me. Don't talk about me. Nobody, like everybody leave me alone. Like I'm in the cut. Let me be there. I'm not saying anything's wrong with the cut. The cut is a good place. We don't know what's going on. I just hope everything's good. That she's working on something. She's developing something. Maybe she's doing nothing. And she's just having black girl joy. That's fine. I just noticed we ain't seen Solange in a while. I mean, like a few months. Because she did like a symphony earlier this year. But we used to see her a lot more. And she not, you know, she's not really around no more. That's fine. As long as she good, I'm good. But she not good, I'm still good. I'm just, you know, I want her to also be good. That's all I'm saying. I want to talk this episode about what's going on in Senegal. I haven't seen a lot of coverage in American media, or for that matter, British media. I saw an article in the New York Times. There's one article on CNN. There are a few articles on Al Jazeera, which is where I got most of the information that I'm going to talk about from. Most of those articles are from many days ago. They're still protesting and rioting in Senegal as of this morning. It's Monday, June 6th, as I'm recording. And it's a really fucked up situation. And what's going on in Senegal is is somewhat reflective of some of the conditions that are occurring in West Africa specifically, but also I think a lot of Africa. In many ways, it seems like Africa is being, if it was colonized the first time, it seems like it's being gentrified this time around. There was extraordinary foreign investment in some parts of Africa. And a lot of the most recent is prime real estate, building infrastructure, And they're doing it under the guise of like, oh, help develop Africa. But what some of the countries are giving away or selling in exchange for foreign money is just not considered overall good for most of the citizens. So I want to talk specifically about what's going on in Senegal, because it's crazy to me that this isn't being more reported. The only reason I even know about it is because I went to Senegal I followed a bunch of Senegalese, either restaurants or influencers, party accounts, things like that. I have a whole separate Instagram that I don't post on, which is strictly just to follow accounts when I'm in Africa. I was scrolling the burner account and there were like all these images of like Senegal, specifically Dakar. I don't think it's countrywide. 
But Dakar, the capital of Senegal, which is like a, a major, well-developed, densely populated city, it looks like LA after the Rodney King protest. It looks like the whole city is on fire. These images look crazy. And I was like, what the fuck is going on in Senegal? So Senegal has an issue that a lot of African countries have. There isn't a middle class. There's a small percentage of people who are extraordinarily wealthy. And then the rest of the population is living below the poverty line. Without doing exact numbers, I would say there's like a 10 to 15% elite. And then everybody else is massively struggling. Very often, when your friends and family and influencers go visit places in Africa, unless they are on missionary trips or they make a concerted effort to go to not so much the village, but sometimes townships or certain parts of what we would call slums or ghettos in America, the images that you're seeing are from where the elite hang out. And I'm glad that people show that side of Africa more prevalently now because for, I would say, since the invention of photography or the printed press, very often when Africa was described, it was described as, you know what it is, in negative ways. We don't need to go through the long list of them. So I'm glad that there's another side of many African countries being shown. That said, poverty is still very much an issue. I'm telling you all this to give you context for what's happening. I know a woman who lives in Dakar. I met her when I was visiting and I hit her up on WhatsApp to be like, hey, like, you good? She was giving me context for what's going on in Senegal. And this is what she said. I'm not giving her names specifically because of the, the internet blackout. And I don't want her in any way to be punished or sought out for having internet access or sharing these stories. So she says, um, it's a mess. So many of these protesters are children, 14 to 22, in rock fights with police with guns. Too many mothers will bury their sons this week. My heart breaks for the youth. They really sacrificed a whole generation. No education, no skill set, no money, and they're hungry. The elite educate their children abroad and bring them back to Senegal to run the country. The poor locals are left to suffer. So many children dropping out before even the eighth grade because the French system was never designed to teach these African children. There is a real system in place to prosper the rich and keep the poor in their place. So there's this guy in Senegal from Senegal who assesses this whole situation and was like, this is fucked up. Picture him in the vein of any of our freedom fighters, say like Black Panthers or Martin Luther King or Malcolm X. But he becomes the voice of the people by speaking out against the way the country is currently being run. And he's basically like power to the people. The elites are taking advantage. The majority of people are not being heard or cared for or listened to. We deserve better than this. This guy quickly gains a massive following. The voice of the people becomes so popular, he decides he's going to run for president again. I think I read that he ran once before and he got something like 20% of the vote. He's a viable candidate and he's more popular now than when he ran the first time. He decides he's going to run for president. Shortly after he becomes a viable contender, a woman accuses him of rape. There is a rape trial. And I'm reading most of this on Al Jazeera. And then when I spoke to my friend who's in Dakar, she was like, yeah, there's a little bit more to it. So I'll tell you the Al Jazeera version first. He's accused of rape. This guy's in his 40s. The woman he's accused of raping is, I want to say she's like a 23-year-old cosmetologist. 
or works in a beauty salon. The voice of the people maintains his innocence. He says he did not rape this woman. He said if he was to rape someone, it wouldn't be, quote, a brain damaged monkey. That's how he refers to the woman. He's pissed that he's on trial. He knows he has a massive following. And he basically tells his following, and I'm paraphrasing, if you believe in me, you should fight for my freedom. His followers go crazy. There are protests, riots, whatever you want to call it. People are tearing shit up in the street. Also emerges this new narrative. People accuse the rape victim, alleged victim, of being a, a paid political plant. She's just accusing him of rape so that he won't be able to run for president. This strikes me very much as like Cosby trying to buy NBC. The media dogs the woman out. Mind you, Senegal is a predominantly Muslim country. The women cover. But the woman goes into court and they say that she's, um, what was the word they use? Flaunting. They say she's flaunting herself by wearing tight clothes. And they're like, you know, you're a woman who's saying that you, should, you have been raped. You should be ashamed of what happened to you. Like you should be embarrassed. And the newspapers are calling the woman vulgar for the way she described her alleged, it's important to say, assault. So basically everyone except the feminists turn on this woman. When I spoke to my friend, she was like, that's not the whole version of the story. She thinks the woman is the ops. She was like, I don't think he raped the lady. I think the conspiracy theory that, you know, she was put up to accuse him of rape may have some merit. And my friend points out that the woman recanted in court. She said that the guy actually never raped her. This is my friend's version of events. I'm, I am of the belief that just because a woman recants doesn't mean it didn't happen. It couldn't mean the woman just doesn't want to deal with this bullshit. You know, I shared my story of what happened in, in Mozambique like last month. And there's no question about did it happen or did it not happen? Like it happened. And I, I shared the screenshot that it happened. He's apologizing for coming to my room. He, ex he acknowledges that he wasn't invited. Like, there's no question about it. But people still blame me for it. That's just the shit that I dealt with in a scenario where it's not as serious as rape. We're discussing trespassing, and there's literally no dispute about whether he trespassed or not. Can you imagine being a woman and accusing a national leader of rape? The media is reporting that you're flaunting yourself. You're on trial accusing someone of rape, so you have to describe what happened. The media then calls you vulgar for the way that you describe what happened to you. My friend points out that the woman recanted. The woman said she lied. The woman didn't want to testify. And I was like, all of that makes complete sense to me. The woman says, I'm lying. The shit didn't happen. This is the type of shit that would make a case fall apart. You think it's hard prosecuting rape in America? Try a West African country, a Muslim one at that. That this even got to trial is actually kind of amazing. I imagine it's part of the reason that people think this is like a political move as opposed to an actual assault. So then the voice of the people is charged with essentially inciting a riot from when this whole case came to initially be. And he told people like, fight for my freedom. They're trying to prosecute and persecute me. Do what you need to do. So this trial has been going on forever. There was finally the verdict in the rape case. He was acquitted, but they found him guilty. The exact charge is corrupting young people which according to the country's penal code is immoral behavior toward a person younger than 21. So telling the youth to fight for him 
and then they went out protesting, that's what they're considering immoral behavior. And he's been sentenced to two years in prison, which means he's no longer a contender for the presidential election. So now the people who follow him are pissed and they've gone ham. My friend says they're looting all the French grocery stores and gas stations. They burned down the train station and they tore up the university. She also gave me some more context. The news media seems to be making it about this one guy and people are mad about his arrest. It's more that at least perceived that the government is trying to stop a movement and trying to stop a person who actually cares about the people. It's not necessarily the guy, but what the guy represents. Stay with me. I keep saying how Dakar looks like LA after the Rodney King verdict. It might be better said, it looks like every major American city with black people in it after Martin Luther King was assassinated. It's much bigger than the guy. She says, people are enraged over foreign countries building businesses off of Senegalese backs and they can't afford it. They being Senegalese folks. She says, as an example, they are building a whole city in this region and the buildings are empty because nobody can afford to live there unless they are foreign. And even then it's a price gouge. She says foreigners don't want to live with the locals and the locals can't afford nice houses. So it's a powder keg. This story is a mess. And so is Dakar right now. The images coming out of Dakar, the ones that are able to get out, are insane. This is CNN's latest update. At least 16 people dead. More than 500 people have been arrested. They've been rioting, protesting since last Thursday. The lead image is a car on fire. And it's that dark, dark black smoke, which I think it means oil's burning. The pictures are really sad because the people are, like my friend described, the people are throwing rocks at the police who are clearly armed with, you know, weapons, tear gas, helmets, if nothing else. But they're attacking the citizens who are literally throwing rocks at them. I mentioned earlier that they shut down the internet in Senegal. My friend is able to contact me through a VPN. Senegal's interior minister did a press conference last Thursday. He said social media and messaging apps had been restricted to, quote, limit fake news. Why does this sound very Trump-esque? The Senegalese branch of Amnesty International, I'm reading this on CNN, has basically condemned Senegal's response to the protesters. They say public force should only be used when necessary and in a proportionate manner. It also condemned the internet cuts. They said these restrictions are arbitrary measures contrary to international law and cannot be justified by imperatives on security. Senegal, Senegal. I also read you this. There's a woman on my timeline on Twitter, Linda Donia, D-O-U-N-I-A. She wrote, my country, Senegal, is in shambles. Protests have broken out everywhere. I'm typing this using a VPN because all social media has been blocked. I've always known Senegal to be a peaceful, stable democracy, but today I'm confronted with a new reality. She says, two years ago, the main opposition party leader was accused of rape. Since then, many protests have been held to denounce it as a politically motivated ploy to keep him from running for the presidential election. The fear was that the current president would run for a third term 
even though the Constitution was recently changed to limit presidents to two terms. Over a dozen people have died during these protests. Today, he was acquitted of the rape charges, but sentenced to two years in prison for, quote, corrupting youth. Mayhem ensued. Thousands of youths marching and fighting police, demanding that the charges be dropped and that the current president step down. She says, I couldn't work today. I am not sure what tomorrow is going to be like. On one hand, people out in the streets are exercising their political power to protect democracy. Anarchy is sometimes the only course of action. On the other hand, I fear for my daughter and mourn the peace I once took for granted. It's, it's worth at least a mention because this woman accuses this man of raping her. Um, apparently another woman has come forth and says that he also raped her. But there's a whole trial in which this woman is maligned for not being the perfect victim and criticized for like her appearance or not being ashamed or not having the correct demeanor of someone who's been raped being called vulgar because of her testimony about being raped and then he's acquitted so people are like well, what does this mean for women's rights in in senegal so if you see videos or images or conversations about what's going on in senegal that's it that's the episode for this week We'll be back on Friday. I don't think I'm missing anything. If I am, we'll talk about it on Friday. All right. Bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.